Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. How's everybody doing? They say it's supposed to be summer slump. I say we're in a summer slam. Come on, somebody, anybody with me? All right. You know you're getting old and outdated when your son, pastor, orders you some J's to preach in. How you like them? They're pretty cool. All right. <laughs> like, okay. It doesn't change your age at all. I still feel <laughs> I am 63, all right? But hey, we welcome you today. Thanks for being with us. And uh, we're in this series called Unsung Heroes. And um, I, I, I thought I was reminded as I was thinking of all this, Kathy, my amazing wife of 42 years this month on the front row over here. Um, we met when she was 14. I was 16. Uh, she fell in like. I fell in lust. And, uh, and we built a friendship. And we dated for over six years. Finally got married. Uh, held, uh, went on a week honeymoon. Held two weeks revival. Packed up a U-Haul truck with a car behind it. And we headed to the Bronx, New York as a newlywed getting ready for marriage and ministry. And uh, on that trip, we, we had everything planned out. We, I went on a mission trip up to the Bronx, and we met with a church there. And while I was there, God spoke to my heart and said, this is where you're going to come back with your wife, and, and you're going to start ministry and marriage here. And we had it all lined out. They had an apartment waiting for us and a job waiting for Kathy, and I was going to work volunteer at the church. And, and uh, so we started on that journey, and we're pulling this, this car and this U-Haul truck, and we get wore out, tired. And so we looked for a hotel in the Carolinas, couldn't find one, finally uh, found this little poduck hotel back in the country in the woods back there and stopped and and got a room and it was an old country hotel and guys were drinking hanging out there but it was the only one we could find our lights went out on the car so we couldn't keep driving at night and so we get this room and I get in and I had my my pistol in the truck and I told Kathy I probably ought to get that out this doesn't look too good out here and so I take the pistol in the room and we get laid in bed we hadn't been in bed 10 minutes and I see the shadow coming through the lights from the outside and there's a guy trying to get in our hotel room and and I'm pointing the pistol at the door just going whoever comes in ain't going out you know what I'm saying and uh and so that was our start of that journey. And we get up the next morning and we get to go to, into the Bronx. And the only day in the history of New York City, the George Washington Bridge is shut down. The only day in history the bridge has been shut down is the day my new wife and I are trying to go over in a U-Haul truck. And so I called the church and I said, we can't get over. The bridge is shut down. They said, no, it's not. It's never shut down. I said, turn on the news. The bridge is shut down. And so finally, we got a trucker to help us get across. We get into New York City, and we get to the apartment that they told us would be ready, and the electricity's not on. So we can't stay. And so there's a family in the church there, and they said, well, you can come stay at our, our apartment with us. And we said, well, thank you. We don't know you, but thank you better than the streets of New York. And so we go to their apartment that night, and, and we get in. They take care of us, and we get ready for bed. And all of a sudden, I hear this kaboom, 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 and I look out the window, and there's three young people with bats going down the street, busting out every windshield. And I'm going, this is not what I really had in mind, you know what I'm saying? And in the middle of the night, my wife gets hungry. When my wife gets hungry, she's going to eat, all right? And uh, so she gets up to make some toast, and she sticks some bread in the toaster, and when she pushed it down, about 100 German roaches come flying out. 
And you ask, what does she do? She ate the toast. So I told you, the woman's going to eat. And this was our introduction to our journey to New York that we really thought, and then we found out the job that they told us that Kathy had already set was not set. So here we are with no place to go to, no job. And what I'm saying all that to say is, have you ever had something in your life take place for the journey that you anticipated did not happen? What you were expecting did not come to pass. And as we begin in this message today on unsung heroes, that's exactly how one of the Bible's greatest people or uh, persons or heroes that we want to talk about felt in a time in his life, and his name was called David. David was to be the chosen one, the man after God's own heart, the anointed king of Israel, Yet when we find David, he's not feeling much like a king. He's really feeling like an unsung hero that would more fit the moment for this man called David. We see David's lineage in Ruth, chapter 4, verse 13 through 22. We won't read it for the sake of time, but I'll break it down for you. We see it on the father and the mother's side. And David, in the lineage of his father, in the lineage of Pharez, in which his father Jesse came from, David was the 10th. In that lineage. But David is the third generation in the lineage of Ruth the Moabite. And we see it in Deuteronomy 23, 3 and 6, where the Bible said, and God speaking, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even to the tenth generation. So get the picture here. David is tenth in the lineage of his father but he is number three in the lineage of his mother, Ruth the Moabite. But something happened because the the Israelites refused to aid, or the Moabites refused to aid the Jews in their journey out of Egypt, and God cursed them. And in that curse, he said, no Moabite shall enter my assembly or my presence for 10 generations. David's number three. Can you imagine the feeling of coming into a world, how discouraging and overwhelming to find out that you are cursed and headed for destruction even before you're conceived? To come to the realization that the penalty and curse of the sins of generations before you has now been placed on your shoulders and you're not even born yet. David was born an outcast of the presence of God. God himself had placed a curse saying no Moabite can enter into my assembly, my presence for 10 generations. So now we have a theological issue because how can the man after God's own heart become the king of Israel, the giant killer, and be an outcast to God's presence? So let's go on a journey today. Number one, this man called David. The first thing I want you to get out your notes is God can say yes even when the rest of the world says no. Come on, anybody thankful for that? Anybody put a no over your name? 1 Samuel 16, we see David, as in scripture here, 
Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. We first see David. He's the youngest of eight brothers. And David's out tending the sheep. The prophet told Samuel, or God told Samuel the prophet, go to the house of Jesse. Tell him to have all of his sons come before you. And I'm going to point out the one that I want you to anoint. And he is now going to become the new king of Israel. Samuel goes to Jesse's house as God ordered. Jesse brings in seven of the sons, the older sons, and they walk before the prophet, and God says no. And Samuel had to say, Jesse, God said all of your sons. I haven't got the go yet. Do you have another son? And he said, yeah, but it's just David. Just David. Do you hear the no? Can't be David. You want to pass these seven by again? Bring him in. And when David was brought into the house, the Holy Spirit immediately spoke to Samuel and said, he's the one. And that's the scripture that we just read, that he took the horn of oil and in front of the seven brothers and the fathers that had a big capital N-O, in front of David, God said, that's him. And the prophet began to anoint this young boy that had no idea what was going on, but God had a plan for him. But we've got a theological issue. There's some hermeneutics we got to work through here because how does God bless what he's already cursed? But here's the key in point one. You do not need anyone else's approval when God has his finger on your life. There's many world changers that never left their mark on society because they let the no of the unbelievers become their oppressing power and destroy the yes that was hidden deep within them. This young lady sitting on the front row called my wife. When, when we were dating, I was a senior in Bible college, and, and they had plans for me. They had already talked to me about being the evangelist. I was traveling through Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, and Florida preaching when I was 17. And they had this plan for me to be this, the evangelist of that denomination. But they brought me in a, at my graduation. They pulled me aside, and they said, we have all confidence in you, but that the young lady that you're dating, she's a sweetheart, but you need a wife that plays the piano and sings. She heard it, and she heard a big no thrown in her face. And I'll never forget that lady sitting right there pulled me aside, and she said, you make whatever decision you want. But God didn't call me to ministry. He called me to be your wife, and I will love you, support you, pray for you, cover you. Wherever you go, I go. And I want to tell you, she never learned the keyboard, and she never started singing, but that woman has a prayer life, Next to the angels in heaven, she has more faith than a thousand preachers. I would take her on her weakest day to go to battle. I'm alive today because she didn't let a no override her yes. I've been, my family's been under threats from the KKK, the NAACP, organized crime in New York City. Our children had to be escorted to classrooms by law enforcement because of death threats placed upon us because of our stand against injustice. But it was the woman at home, not the guy in the pulpit. It was a woman that knew who she was in God. She's Satan's worst nightmare when she gets on her knees. You hear what I'm saying? She never let another person's no override that eternal yes that God had placed within her. When God says yes, no one else's no matters. And I'm already screaming at you, so we're different. Just 
Just hang on. <laughs> He's funny and humorous. I'm that old bulldog that bites, breathes, and hangs on at the same time. That's all I know. That's the only way I know how to do this, y'all. So number one, let's go with it. How many is glad that God can say yes when the rest of the world says no? Number two, God's a master at qualifying the disqualified. 1 Samuel 13, 14, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Now, here's the amazing part about this. That scripture, that prophetic word from God was made before David was even born. David wasn't here yet. But God, the Lord, sought for himself a man after his own heart that would be a commander over his people. He was already, he was prophetically speaking and seeking for this man that was going to come on the scene and be a man after his heart. God saw David as that man he was seeking after before David was ever conceived in the womb of his mother. Can I say this to you today? It's the same about you. No matter what you've gone through in life, no matter what life has brought you, ups, downs, victories, defeats, uh, before you were ever consumed in the womb of your mother, God saw you. He said, I knew all of your days before one of them came to you. He said, you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. And God is a master of taking those that the world disqualifies and qualifying them and saying, I'm going to take you that they say can't do anything and I'm going to make you a ruler over my people look at it for me go on a journey with me you see if this is true and it is that God said I sought for a man and he was referring to David let's look at this man for a moment let's look at the journey that this man that God was seeking after to be a man after his own heart that would rule his people. Look at David. Listen to David when he speaks in Psalms 51.5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, we didn't hear a lot of preaching on that, but I've been to Israel three times. I have Jewish scholars that are friends of mine. We communicate from Israel here, and I've asked them about this in my teaching for the pipeline to just better my own understanding of scripture and here's a fact history in Jewish culture and history they teach this as a biblical fact that David was literally born in iniquity and in an act of sin of his mother he was just talking about the sin nature of mankind David was conceived in an act of sin so now we've got even more issues because he's born under a curse from God outside the presence of God and now he's born in an act of sin. But yet he's supposed to be the man after God's own heart. Y'all with me? I know some of y'all going, I'm going to go home and look that up see if he's telling the truth. I am or I wouldn't preach it. I've already looked it up. <laughs> I promise you. And I got some rabbis I can get you on the phone with in Israel. David was conceived in an act of sin. But listen at him, it doesn't end there. In Psalms 27, 9 and 10, here he cries out again, Do not leave me or forsake me, O God, my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but you, Lord, will take me up. Psalm 69, 8, he cries again, I'm a foreigner to my family, a stranger to my own brothers. 
1 Samuel 17, 28, Eliab, David's elder brother, treated him with hostility. And he said, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart really is. Listen to the cry of a broken, empty, and severely depressed man called David in Psalm 69, 1 through 8. He's been born in an act of sin. He's been disowned by his own family. He's been betrayed by his own brothers. He's crying out to God in desperation, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My My throat is parched. My eyes fail. Looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs on my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. What David literally said here when you do an inductive study... David said, you know where I come from, God. I was born in sin. My father and mother have forsaken me. My own brothers have rejected me. I'm a despised man in society. I'm even cursed from your presence. And what David told God right there is if my being near you is going to cause others to not want to come to you, then just cast me away. He doesn't see himself as a warrior hero. He sees himself as less than a worm. Stay with me. Then he goes on. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I'm a foreigner in my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. But it gets worse. It doesn't stop there. Judah, we go on in scripture and we read the great ancestor of Jesse, David's father went out one night looking for a prostitute. You talk about dysfunctional family. So now he's got all this stuff going on in the house. Now we go on to the lineage of his family tree. Judah, the ancestor of Jesse, David's father, went out one night looking for a prostitute walking down a road. And unknowing to Judah, he picked up an illicit encounter with his own daughter-in-law, Tamar. She became pregnant, and out of this sexual act of sin would come the family tree of Judah in which we find David from. We heard about Rahab. I love what Chris Hodges says. He said, why do drugs when you can read the Bible? (laughs) There's more high in this excitement when you can just get in this and go, God did something with this? So now we see Judah have an illicit sexual affair with his own daughter-in-law. David's affair with Bathsheba, I want to say to you today, was far more than a weak moment and a time in David's life. It was far more than just seeing a naked woman on a rooftop and going, oh, I'm falling in sin. No, he was dealing with generation after generation after generation after generation of adultery, sexual perversion, evil, hatred, hostility was now placed upon him before he was even conceived and born. Now he's having to walk it out, live it out. Maybe this is why we see David on such a roller coaster ride of emotions up one day, down the other. We hear David scream out, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. 
And then chapters later, we hear him going, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He lived a roller coaster ride of emotion. Anybody in here understand and can identify with David? One week you're in church going, yes, God, yes, God. Next Sunday you need revival because everything's dead. One day you open the book and it's like life to you. Next week you open it and it's like a, a newspaper. It has nothing there. Your spirit's crying out. There's an emptiness inside of you. And David was that man. He was on a roller coaster ride of emotion. His heart was pure before God. But we hear David constantly crying out to God, my God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Why? Because that's the life that he experienced from his own family. So he expected it from God too but I'm here to tell you what you have dealt with in the natural has absolutely nothing to do with what you're going to experience in the spiritual when God puts his finger on your life no matter where you come from no matter what's going on in your lineage no matter what people have spoken over you God is a master of taking what man disqualifies and putting his hand and let that anointing oil cover you and God will take a nobody make him a somebody he'll make you a ruler over your place of employment. He'll put you in charge of your neighborhood. He'll walk you through life as a winner, not a loser. The head, not the tail. God's a master at qualifying what man disqualifies. Can you identify born in a lineage of generations of sin? I know some of your stories. Strongholds, bondages, life throws you an unexpected curveball. Suddenly you find yourself thrown into a life of chaos, deep hurt, pain, confusion, constantly finding yourself on the receiving end of rejection. Undesirable situations seemingly come one right after the other. You don't understand it, but it's there. You hate it, but it won't go away. You press to go forward, but always find yourself feeling like you're going backwards. You try to pray, read your Bible, come to church, get counseling, join a small group, serve on the dream team. You do everything that's right, and yet you don't feel like that breakthrough's coming. The struggle remains. Can I tell you, isolation has become your closest companion. Depression has become your norm. A feeling of worthlessness is the mountain you find yourself trying to climb over on a daily basis. Everything inside of you says it's over, but God sent a old preacher with gray hair today to tell you it ain't over. I said it ain't over. It's not over. It's about to get real. Come on. I said it's just now about to get real. Don't get up, don't give up, get up, dust yourself off. Look the enemy in the eyeballs and tell him no fear of you here. Step up to the plate one more time and let this qualifier of the disqualified put his hands on you one more time. He said, I'm going to redeem the time. I'm going to take all those years of suffering. The writer in the scripture put it like this, according to my tears, according to my affliction, now bless me. Come on, somebody. How many is ready to let 2022 become that year that all of those generations of struggle, all those times of weeping, all those times of loneliness, all those hours of worthlessness that the enemy dumped upon you. God says, now I'm going to give back a hundredfold according to your suffering. I'm going to bless you. According to your pain, I'm going to heal you. According to your worthlessness, I'm going to pour out favor. I'm going to pour out purpose upon your life. I'm going to use you to touch nations and generations are going to come because of my anointing and my call that's on your life.
then it brings us to the last point, which makes it all happen. God gets the glory when he rewrites your story. Oh, I like this one. Psalms 89, got to hurry here. Verse 20, 27, 29, I have found David my servant. You only find something you're looking for. See, you didn't find God. He looked you up. Come on, don't, don't try to take any credit for that. No, nah, he said, if you make your bed in hell, I'll come there and find you. It's, it's in the Bible. Read it. You, you didn't look God up. He tracked you down because there was a praying, praying grandma that wouldn't let you go. There was a mama that stayed on her knees. And before mom even started praying for you, God had an eternal plan before he put you in the womb of your mother. I have found my servant with a sacred oil. I have anointed him. I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of kings of the earth. I will maintain my love for him forever and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his lineage forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. Let me tell you what God just did. Man, this is so, oh, this will make a, a Baptist shout. This, this, this will get you. <laughs> We're going to see some Catholic folks get excited in here on this one. Here's what God did because how many knows God doesn't change his word? Come on, somebody with me? God, God's, now, now God's in a pickle, right? Like the guy that, that's under my own curse is now supposed to be my main man. What do I do? We, we got seven more generations. That would be about 160 years that we got to wait before I can do anything with David. So what did God do? He said, I have found my servant, David. Oh, I love this. I love this. I have anointed him with my sacred oil. And here's what God did. He said, I have appointed him my firstborn. God couldn't change his word, but he can add to it. So what he did was he took David out of that old lineage. David's no longer number three in the lineage of the Moabite that's cursed by God. But God said, I'm going to take David out of that cursed lineage. I've been looking for him. I ordained him before he was conceived in the womb of his mother. I sought him out before he even existed. I have a plan for David. I'm taking him out of that cursed lineage. And now I'm starting a brand new lineage with this guy called David, the unsung hero, the one nobody wanted, the one that was the outcast, the one that was not invited to the father's house, the one that was cursed by his brothers, disowned by his parents. I found my servant. David and I'm taking him out of that curse and I'm starting a brand new lineage he's the firstborn of a brand new lineage and here's what God said in that lineage he's going to be exalted as the king of the earth I will maintain my love with him forever listen my covenant with him will not fail and here's what I love I will establish his lineage forever and ever and ever. He said, this new lineage, I put my hand on it, got my anointing on it. I've got my love on it. I've got my calling on it. I'm going to establish this lineage forever. And can I tell you, we're part of that lineage. 
It's still going. I said it's still going. Because God put his finger on a man that was dejected, rejected, and God said, I'm going to rewrite a story so I can get the glory. All the pain, all the tears, all the hurt, all the sorrow, all the wounds, all the unanswered questions, all were used of the enemy to destroy you. But today, but today God sent you a little simple word to tell you that he's taken you out of an old lineage. He's taken you out of a lineage of alcoholism, drug addiction, perversion, abuse, poverty, unworthiness. He's taken you out of that mindset. I'm talking to somebody right now. He's taken you out of the guilt, the shame. He's taken you out and he's bringing you into a brand new lineage. And God said, I'm starting over. We're going to rewrite your story. The old is gone and the new is here. It's a brand new day for you. You see, we've got to come today and realize that God is getting the glory when you let him rewrite your story. And today, I simply want to make a challenge to you today, and that is this. What is it that you've allowed the enemy to use to keep you in a place of disqualification? What is it that the enemy has tried to use to come that tells you that you can't when God says, yes, you can, and yes, you will. And whatever the enemy has used against you, today I want to challenge you. Let God, let his yes override the other people's no. Let him come and qualify the areas of your life that the enemy has come to disqualify. And then step up to the plate and realize and understand today that God's about to get some glory because he's about to rewrite my story. And I'm gonna step into a new lineage and a new journey and a new experience in my relationship with God. The old is gone. The new is here. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Anybody ready to let go of the old? And begin to walk in the new? And there's so much I wanna say, but my time is gone. Sorry. How many is ready to say yes? How many is ready to let God make you an unsung hero? Not about us. It's all about him in Jesus' name. Bow your heads with me. Father, we come to you today and we thank you, God, that you're a God who loves us and that you had plans for us. The prophet Jeremiah declared it, Lord, that you didn't have plans to harm us or to hurt us. But you have plans to bless us, Lord, to bring favor upon our life, to use us, God, in your kingdom, to let your glory be manifested in us. And so, God, today, I thank you, Lord, that you're a God, Lord, who loves us. And, Father, you find a way, you make a way, God, to reach into our heart, God, and bring healing and hope and purpose. And, God, right now across this auditorium, Lord, are people that the enemy has lied to. God, they've grown up in pain. They've grown up, Lord, in a, in a lineage, God, of, of dysfunction, Father. Many of them, Father, have only seen the, the, the negative. They've heard, Lord, the negative spoken over them. But, Father, today I pray, Lord, let today be a day that they see in the Spirit. And that, God, you're taking them out of that old lineage, God. And you're bringing them into a brand new lineage. They are your firstborn. 
they are your firstborn today, God, you're starting something brand new in and through their life. And we thank you for today. If that's you right now, every head's bowed, every eye's closed, and you would go past the Dan, that, that's me today. And, and, and the enemy has so spoken negative and people, and, and, and it's just been no, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't. And I've allowed that negativity to control who I am and where I'm going in life. But today I feel that God's speaking to my heart and I hear a big yes coming. And I want to say yes to God, to God's plan, God's purpose in my life. No longer will the no's rule me, but the yeses are going to come and take control over my life. I'm going to be that new lineage in Christ Jesus. If that's you, would you slip a hand up real quick and you can put it right back down? Thank you. Many hands going up. Many hands going up. How about right now? You say, Pastor Dan, I, I don't even know Jesus right now. I know about God. But I don't know God right now. I'm, I'm not in a good place with Him, and I need Him in my heart and my life. I need Him as my Lord and my Savior. Would you pray a prayer for me if that's you right now, and you just want to start from the beginning and go, God, I need you in my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Would you lift a hand right where you sit? Maybe you're online. You say, I need Jesus. God bless you. You can put it right back down. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father... And all of us are going to pray together. Say, Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come, I confess, and I believe, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these many, several that raise their hand and pray today. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. MyTC.Life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.